Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Appreciate everybody downloading and listening to the show today, and it's that time of year again. We're going to preview each position, we're going to let you know how we're approaching it, who we're targeting, and we're going to start with quarterbacks today, and I'm not alone in this endeavor. I've got one of the best analysts in the industry joining me, Mr. Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis, and you know he's at Lord Reeves on Twitter or X. It still seems so funny saying X every time, but regardless, let's get him in here. Rich, welcome back to the show, man. What is happening? How are you? I hope you've been enjoying the summer. Yeah, it's been really good. And here we are, you know, now in August and, you know, there's an actual game very loosely. There's a game. There will be players in uniforms <laughs> on a football field, but it, it's, you know, it's here, right? Like ever, like camps opened up, like football is like officially on like everybody's minds right now. Like it's football season. And uh, that's always a fun place to be. You know, it, it, it's fun because it's like, you know, me having the save by the bell, you know, avatar still with Zach Morris, you know, you feel <laughs> like Jesse and the caffeine pills. I mean, I am so excited, but I am so scared still. I love it. And I feel like, you know, obviously the hardcore spend all off season looking at this stuff. I feel like when training camp starts, you get kind of another trickle of people in. And then when you have that hall of fame game this week, that's when you get almost everybody back when they see actual NFL players in uniform on a field. That's what clicks in everybody's brain. And you see the numbers for content go up and everybody gets more excited or mm-hmm. so excited. Like you said, uh, for these preview episodes, I try to make them as tight as possible, and I can see off the bat here, I know you and I, I think, both have a tendency to want to elaborate and cover every possible base on questions like this, so I want to just dive right in. I want to give us as much time as possible here, and I kind of did the same when we were talking before the show. I said, we got to get to it here. We're both on tight schedules, so let's just jump in, and I always like to start these preview shows by giving just an overview of how fantasy managers should be attacking these positions. And it's something that can change year to year, you know, so why don't we start by going over just your general strategy for drafting a fantasy quarterback this season. And you don't have to name specific players. I think we're going to talk about a lot of them or most of them as we go through the show. But when you do tend to draft your quarterback, when does that happen is it different this year at all, or do you have a similar approach as you've had in past seasons? Yeah, I think the the, the game uh, at quarterback has has definitely started to manifest, and we've seen that you know over uh, as the league has had a larger influx of more athletic quarterbacks, uh, and that's just human nature, right? Like you know, the human beings are just going to be more athletic. But the difference that that now has is that instead of just getting guys coming to the leagues that are like good athletes, we're getting guys that can actually throw the ball too, especially in this era. And what it's really done is alter the position. You know, the throwback Konami code. Uh, which, you know, it's going to be 10 years old this year when I put that article out. Uh, You know, it definitely highlighted how, you know, running quarterbacks that couldn't pass were undervalued because they're quote-unquote perceived bad quarterbacks, but the way the scoring was is weighted rushing. But now we're getting guys that are not only giving you these good seasons running the football, but they're also throwing for, you know, 25 to 35 touchdowns, 4,000 yards. And it's really hard to combat like that subset of the quarterback position and we've seen fantasy gamers adjust and be able to highlight and recognize which players uh fit that mold and aggressively draft those guys and you look at just the correlation of average draft position to fantasy point production 
we've got inherently sharper at drafting the quarterback position because of that. ADP is literally the last three years had its largest historical, you know, correlation uh, into fantasy points scored. And it's made it really harder to go later round quarterback because it used to be, you just had to arbitrage the passing stuff, right? Like, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees at the front of the league. These guys are throwing 40 passing touchdowns. You're just trying to cut into as much of that passing production those guys had. But now it's a lot harder to do, you know, against a guy like Jalen Hurts, against a guy like Josh Allen, even a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who ran for, you know, his career high in rushing, you know, output for fantasy last year that are giving you the rushing with all these elite passing stuff and then trying to combat those with guys that go later because everyone knows the subset of quarterbacks or the archetypes you want and trying to get guys like, you know, a Derek Carr or a Jared Goff, right? Like, it's just harder to, to do that. You can still stream those guys and do like a one-week bridge, but the fact that those guys now offer such immense high weekly ceilings, it's altered the approach of fantasy football. Not that we have to go full on early quarterback now, but we know that there's now like a clear archetype firewall and it's harder to get those guys that fit into that, you know, archetype. You look at like where Anthony, Anthony Richardson hasn't even declared the starter yet and look at where his ADP is just because people are ready to say like, man, if he does get declared the starter, like we know he's the type of guy we want for fantasy football. Yeah. Jalen Hurts last year would have been a good example of you probably in the past would have gotten him a few rounds later, but like you said, fantasy managers were all over it and his ADP was way up there and you had to pay up to get him even though he hadn't really done it yet and then last year we saw him come out and do it I think for me as much as I love having one of those elite quarterbacks the price this season is a tough sell and we'll see how much that changes between the best ball drafts that have been happening and the ADP that we get from that and then when we see more redraft leagues get going here and what the ADPs are like for those in August I'm curious to see what the difference is between those two and I do find myself taking one of the elite guys sometimes in the third round or so, if I'm in a, a spot in snake drafts where I don't really like any of the other players that are on the board at the other positions, sometimes I'll just go, all right, I'll, I'll play it safe in a way and I'll grab one of these elite quarterbacks that I think I know is going to come through for me rather than trying to reach at one of the other positions. But there is one guy who I think is going a round or so later than that elite group this year, and you're getting a bit of a discount on him. He's the one I think I'm drafting the most, but I don't want to mention him yet, so we'll we'll talk about him in a second. But if I don't go for one of the top four or five, I'm kind of fine waiting this year. You mentioned one of the guys. I will spoil that one. I mean, Anthony Richardson is someone that I'm willing to take, even though his ADP is maybe a little bit higher than I'd like. But in that range between sort of the eighth to 10th round, I think after you've filled out your starting lineup at the other spots, then you can grab one of those upside quarterbacks, maybe two and hope that you hit on that big breakout that season. And, you know, to go over some of them, and you talked about the reason why everyone got smarter about it was because we got spoiled for a few years there. Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, you got all those guys kind of in the eighth, ninth, tenth round the year before they had that huge breakout. And I don't know if we're going to be able to replicate their success, but I think there are some guys in that range, specifically two guys in that range this year, that I think could have top five, top six upside. So why don't we just open the floodgates here and we can actually talk about specific players. I I kind of blocked it from doing it a bit there, but I'll let you go first. Who's your breakout quarterback for 2023? Who should people be targeting this year? Because he's about to take his game to the next level. Who you got? Yeah, I I don't know if this qualifies as breakout, but you know, hey, I'm the guest. I think it's going to be more of a a reemergence, so to speak. We've seen the gamers kind of, you know, calibrate for this, but I I really think that we're about to see a, a totally different version 
of Lamar Jackson uh, than we have, you know, seen uh, over the the front of his rookie contract, which is a bummer because it feels like the Ravens are kind of like now swerving into like this all in after paying Lamar Jackson $260 million. <laughs> uh, that's backwards. You're hustling backwards, Baltimore, but here we go. Uh, but when you look at like, it's not just, you know, for Lamar Jackson, because, you know, I say like reemergence because when you look at since the 2019 season, he's had he's had just 11 top six, the top three scoring weeks, uh, six top three scoring weeks over the past three years, 11 top six scoring weeks in that 2019 season. He had 11 top six scoring weeks and nine top three scoring weeks so, like he hasn't been that player since that 2019 season. And obviously there's been some injuries the past two years. But when you look at like what he's had on the field around him the past couple of years, uh, since he's taken over as a starting quarterback, the only players to run more than 300 pass routes with Lamar Jackson on the field in his career are obviously Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. But here are the rest of these guys. Willie Sneed is third. Devin Duvernay is fourth. <laughs> Miles Boykin is fifth. Nick Boyle is sixth. And Patrick Ricard is seventh. Those are the only players that have run over 300 pass routes in Lamar Jackson's career. 300 pass routes are what guys should be running in in an individual season. The Minnesota Vikings had five different players last year run over 300 pass routes. Uh, So you don't even, we can poke holes and saying, well, on an individual level, we don't love Rashad Bateman. You don't love Odell Beckham coming off of his ACL and his age. You don't, maybe you don't love Zay Flowers. Maybe you don't love Nelson Aguilar, but collectively this group of guys is so much better than what the Ravens put on the field last year at wide receiver when Demarcus Robinson led the position in targets, catches, and yards. Ravens wide receivers the last 14 weeks of last season caught one touchdown pass. Like, that's not going to happen this year. Then you add, they still have Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. Then you get Todd Monken, and you look at Todd Monken, he's always been aggressive in pass rate in neutral situations. He's also been aggressive from a play volume stance as well. It's a bummer that gamers have calibrated uh, to, to Lamar because I do think that we're going to see, a, a like I said, a reemergence of him. Uh, and then if you're looking for maybe some guys, like you said, like you're looking for that that archetype of guy, and maybe you see like, a, you know, Deshaun Watson be become a value. You brought up Anthony Richardson, Daniel Jones. Like those are the other guys you're kind of looking for in that ADP you were talking about that still kind of fit that mold of if you get a lot more passing uh, than it may be projected for each of those players, you're going to run into a good season by default because of the, how those players use their legs. Yeah, and you're forcing my hand here a bit, but Lamar was the guy I was talking about who you get kind okay. of a, a round discount versus the the real elite guys. And yet, I mean, we saw it in his MVP season and you went over everything here. I've talked about him and that offense on the show all offseason long, so nobody wants to hear me go over it again, <laughs> but you you nailed it. I mean, all of those factors contribute to him having a legitimate shot to finish as the quarterback one overall, I think, this season. And that's super exciting. And if you're going to give me a, a round discount, even though I think his ADP continues to creep up here, he's getting closer and closer to those top three. But if you're going to get even a bit of a discount on him there, I'm happy to take that. And I'm really excited to have that offense. And going back to looking at all those players and yes, Mark Andrews, he was dinged up last year for a big chunk of the season too, right? And he was playing through the injury. So you think about him being even healthier and yeah, I think he's going to be good this year. But if you're worried about which one of those receivers to pick, don't just go with Lamar and just take that offense as a whole and cash in on it. And I would give you a hard time and say that he doesn't really qualify (laughs) as a, a breakout, but I think the guy that I'm picking here kind of doesn't completely qualify as a breakout either. I'm going with Trevor Lawrence, and I think most people would look and say, well, didn't he break out last year? I think that's what happened, right? He jumped up. He was a QB1 and and fantasy points per game. He did to an extent. He made huge improvements 
you know, and a big part of it was the coaching change. And he also had upgraded weapons last year. He brought in Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. And the results were pretty obvious. Went from 12.7 fantasy points per game as a rookie up to 17.9 fantasy points per game, which was the QB 12 in 2022. The good news, though, is the Jags weren't done, right? They rolled the dice on Calvin Ridley. And by all accounts, Ridley is going to work out very well for him. I mean, barring any sort of injury, I know he kind of walked off the field, looked like maybe he had a bit of a limp or something today, but I don't think he was actually hurt. Um, but he's been blowing everybody away at camp. So doesn't look like he's lost anything after the year off for the gambling suspension. He could be that true number one receiver that this team's been lacking. And I also like that, and obviously this you know ties in with you, Lawrence provides some of that rushing production, right? It gets him into that conversation, I think, where he could be one of those top fantasy quarterbacks. And to be in that group now, you went over it. If you don't have that rushing production, you're almost dead in the water. You almost don't have a chance to get up there. You need to have such a massive season in terms of passing touchdowns. It rarely, rarely happens. And Lawrence, eighth most rushing yards among quarterbacks over the last two years combined, seven rushing touchdowns during that time. So I get some people might think he's overqualified. I appreciate that you took the bullet for me and you went with a guy that's even more overqualified. So now I look like I am going with the real breakout guy here. But my projection for him has him jumping from that low end or fringe fantasy quarterback one range to being a a true difference maker, maybe even getting into that elite quarterback conversation. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's mentioned as an MVP candidate by midseason. Last I checked, I think he was tied for seventh best odds to take home that honor. So Lawrence is somebody with really elite upside. And if we throw out other guys, we talked about him, Anthony Richardson. I think he fits that category to be that guy. We already mentioned him though. And I'm really excited about Lawrence and he's somebody else that you're getting way, way after the top names at the position. I don't know if you have any thoughts on him. Yeah, I think that when you look at Lawrence and especially the final 11 games last year where he kind of excelled and you saw him kind of make and finally start to tap into kind of what the pedigree suggested he was going to be. But when you look at it from a top-down stance, we had Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram, all players that were perceived to be kind of disappointments uh, on various levels up into their NFL careers that the Jaguars signed. They all had their career seasons through one common denominator playing with Trevor Lawrence, right? <laughs> like, I think that's the, the largest testament you can say to like, he's a talent elevator. Uh, I also like the Jaguars from a top-down stance because I think their offensive line is shaky and that might be like a red flag to you initially, but I think they're really going to struggle to run the football this year and their defense is still questionable. So I think they're going to be, they're going to be like a real pass heavy, maybe like an aggressive offense type of team where they play in a lot of these these games that could be almost like Minnesota Viking-esque like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe not them chasing as many points, but I do think it, they're, they're set up to throw the football a ton to good, talented players, which is uh, something we always like for fantasy football. All right, what if we go to the opposite side of things? Which quarterback are you most worried about being a bust or letting us down this season? Who you got for that? I think by default for me, it's Justin Fields and it's, and it's, and I get why Justin Fields is there and I have him there too, because in the range of outcomes, his ceiling is, he could be the QB one overall. I think it's very thinner than in years past, uh, like guys that have gotten there. Uh, But just because now where he's being drafted, because again, we're sharper as a collective, right? Like Justin Fields wasn't, is not going to slide through an ADP anymore, right? Like a guy, a guy like him. So now he's being all there. So he's being aggressively drafted as we're going to get a huge jump in passing from him. And 
it, it could happen. We got it with Josh Allen under circumstances, and we got it with Jalen Hurts last year, obviously with them, you know, acquiring the receivers they did, and, you know, we're getting DJ Moore. But we still have to get it, and we're paying for it, right? And Justin Fields is a guy that, from a passing stance, was a lot significantly from a, a, just an objective stance, was way worse than both of those players as a passer at this stage. So... I get why he's there. I actually don't have any pushback that anyone is taking that swing on him, but I definitely think that paying the iron price for him is there. And it's something that I always think about, you know, when when he when I'm on the clock and I'm going to take him because um, there have been 58 quarterbacks that throw 100 or more passes the past few years. He's first. He's 51st out of those 58 quarterbacks in an inaccuracy rate. The only quarterbacks worse than him are P.J. Walker, Tim Boyle, Desmond Ritter, Trey Lance, Marcus Mariota, and Zach Wilson. Not a great company. Uh, so it's like really hard to say. And then you and you look kind of look at. Like, is there going to be a lot of passing volume still, too? Uh, then from a rushing stance, we say, well, we are getting the rushing right. But he had a really weird season running the football that I think is really hard to bank on, you know, being sustainable. Um, he led not only in all NFL players in yardage gained on carries of 20 or more yards. Now, remember, this is a quarterback. Uh, he led all quarterbacks in NFL history. In a season of yardage gained on on uh, gains of twenty or more yards, he gained more of his rushing yardage on those individual carries than Josh Lawrence, uh, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts combined uh, last year. So, like that reminds me of like kind of like Debo Samuel in twenty twenty one, where like it is great. It highlights like the ceiling outcome a player can have, but like how stable are like those huge plays in the running game going to be, right? Uh, even guys like Michael Vick didn't sustain like that type of like output, like year over year. Right. So uh, there is some kind of pullback there. Again, I totally understand why he's being drafted there. And I even think from a tier perspective, you have to handle him above like the Herbert Burrow Lawrence tier, just because of the, he has that apex outcome of like, if he does get it, like he's going to be hard to run down. Uh, no, no pun intended. Whereas like Herbert Lawrence and Burrow, even though they do give you a little bit of rushing, those guys still are probably going to have to throw around 40 touchdown passes where, you know, fields can get by on like 25. Um, but I do think that it takes a leap of faith that is fully priced in now in years past where it wasn't priced in on these guys. Yeah. The pass volume, definitely a concern there. There's a little bit of the, the same thing we talked about with Lamar Jackson though, where the weapons are just upgraded in mm-hmm. such a major way. And it's not just DJ Moore. It's Tyler Scott, the rookie. It's Darnell Mooney being healthy this year. It's even bringing in like depth pieces like Robert Tunyon, who's getting a lot of work around the red zone in practice right now. So he's just going to have a, a much better supporting cast this season. I really, really like him. I think he's a super fun fantasy player to have on your team. The problem I have, you touched on a little bit, is his ADP where he's going there just tends to be a lot of other players in terms of receivers and running backs that I like in that range. And when I'm on the clock, I normally end up going that direction and waiting because I feel like there are other quarterbacks I'll be able to get later in ter- versus, you know, the, the wide receivers and the running backs in that range that I like. So that's the only thing that I've noticed. And it's kind of surprised me that I haven't ended up with him on as many teams as I expected yeah, this year. I think you're going to win this round because you actually picked somebody with some stakes. I had a really hard time finding somebody for the bus column this year. And I wrote that in the actual column that yeah, we're I good didn't at this feel again. like I took. Remember? Yeah, we're good, well, at, we're good at this. We're good at this. And you talked about that. And just like the top 12 to 15 or so, I'm kind of happy to end up with any of those guys on my team. I like them all. Like it's hard to poke holes in them. I know Dak's somebody that I'm a little bit hesitant to draft. And it's not that he's going to disappoint in a major way, but 
I think it's fair to question, you know, the departure of his OC and Kellen Moore, how that's going to impact the pass volume. Mike McCarthy being very vocal about his desire to run the ball more. That could put a cap on Prescott's fantasy ceiling. And the defense there, it's just been better the last few years. And I think that's going to continue into 2023. They just don't have to throw as much because they're winning games a little easier versus a few seasons ago when that defense was pretty bad and Dak had to take more on his arm. I'm also weary of Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, these guys, there's not a lot of risk involved in taking these players. They're going a little bit later, but these are guys that I'm not ending up with very much of. I think the hype for Rodgers is going to make him go a little bit earlier. And I'm very excited for him in real life. I think it's great for the Jets and the upgrade at quarterback, but he's entering that age 40 season. He's coming off a down year. You know, he's also joining a division where you have these top tier defenses and the Bills and the Patriots. He's going to have to face a couple times each. The Dolphins unit, I feel like more people should be talking about the fact that Vic Fangio is in Miami now and how much better that defense could be this year. So Dak and Rodgers going in a range where they're not really risky picks. They're not totally going to bust and hurt your team, but those are just players that I haven't ended up with as much this year. Let's go back to the more fun side of things. So let's talk about some more positives here. Let's talk about some sleepers. I think it's tough to find actual sleepers at quarterback because it's a shallower position. There's so much coverage. We have so much time in the off season mm-hmm. to analyze all these guys. And like I said, there's a lot of quality quarterbacks in the top 12 to 15 that makes it so hard for anyone who's kind of a sleeper to get up in that range. So difficult to to crack that, that QB one range, but we saw guys like Daniel Jones and Geno Smith. They snuck in there last year and had big seasons. So is there a passer who you think fantasy managers are sleeping on this year? Is there somebody that fits that mold for you? Yeah, for me, the guy that I've been drafting the most when I kind of miss out on the archetype of quarterbacks we've talked about, you know, just whatever things happen. I just like the wide receivers or running backs or uh, guys who are just getting ag- aggressively drafted. But the one guy that I kind of go to the most often uh, in proof of pudding of guys that I've drafted is Geno Smith. Uh, you know, you look at Geno Smith last year, obviously one of the greater stories, but I mean, he's literally one of the biggest winners of the offseason. I mean, not only does he get the contract extension, Seattle doesn't draft a quarterback, a young quarterback to push him. Um, they they add Jackson Smith and Jigba. So he's got arguably the like the, the three best wide receiver units in the league, right? Like one through three. It's, it's in Absolutely. contention there. Uh, they have a really good kind of tight end Voltron group, like, uh, like as a, a sum of parts is really good. I mean, Noah Fant obviously is a guy that came with pedigree. And we can't even rule out that Noah Fant like isn't going to be good over the course of his career, given the the tight end, uh, you know, arc. Uh, you know, he's only going into his his his, his what fourth year yeah, uh, sure. this year. So like, but but the weapons are good. They're aggressive throwing the ball. I think a lot more than people realize, and I think it's only going to go up. I mean, they were 26 in the NFL in use of 11 personnel last year. Obviously, they're selection of Jackson Smith and Jigba sucks that suggests that's going to go way up only the Chiefs uh threw the ball uh at a higher rate inside the 10 yard line and inside of the five yard line than the Seahawks last year and this is like something like you don't expect from a Pete Carroll offense right but they were really high in drop back rate they're really high in drop back rate inside the red zone um the weapons are better I think that this is the signal here is they're going to be a lot more aggressive than people think and Gino's not necessarily just like a one-year wonder because remember when he filled in for Russell Wilson over that stretch in 2021 the offense was a, a lot better than when Russell Wilson. that should have been our kind of maybe our maybe major our first red flag on Russell Wilson right yeah like of like man you know the offense looked a little better with Gino uh over that span but he's the kind of guy when I miss out on like that that group of of guys like say I don't get Deshaun Watson 
Watson or, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson goes earlier than I expected. Like I find myself getting the most of Geno Smith because he gives you just a dabble of rushing too. You know, he had 40 rushing points last year. He can move a little bit, but uh, I think the opportunity for him to roll over what he did last year and only Patrick Mahomes matched him in, in amount of games that had multiple passing touchdowns last year. So he's kind of the guy that I go to uh, in those spots. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And with the running back injuries, maybe they'll have to throw even more early in the season. I also like the fact, obviously, JSN being there upgrades that receiving core, but it also kind of like insulates Geno Smith that if there's an injury, Mm -hmm. if you see Dak or Lockett or someone go down, they're still going to have two really quality receivers. And we saw with two quality receivers what he was able to do last year. So I like that there too for him. I think he's a a great pick. Another one of those guys that I'm kind of targeting in that, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th round range where you can get him. For me, I'm going to go deeper on this one. It's more of a a swing for sure. Sam Howell is interesting to me. And I think he's flying under the radar in regular formats. So maybe it's more of a two QB super flex option, but he's got some rushing potential. He's got a really good supporting cast. The expectations for him were just lowered completely. I mean, he didn't get out there last year until week 18, but there were some positives to take from that performance. It's, you know, very, very small sample size, but he had five carries, 35 yards, had a touchdown on the ground, and they turned around and they didn't go get somebody else to really compete with him. I know they keep talking about it's a competition and, you know, Jacoby Brissett is a good backup, maybe one of the best backups in the league. I think it's going to take Howell to sort of face plant in order for Jacoby Brissett to get out there. I don't think Brissett's going to be able to win the job outright. Maybe we'll see that happen. It's definitely possible, but I'm excited for what Howell could do in this offense with that receiving core of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel. That's a really dynamic group. You got, you know, good running backs. You got that power speed combo and Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. Tight ends are good and they should be pretty busy in Eric Bieniemy's new scheme there. So that group that he's dealing with and the rushing combination, it kind of bumps him up. I think there's a really good argument for him to be a top 20 fantasy quarterback and maybe he can push his way even higher if he can hang on to that job. Any thoughts on uh, Howell and if he holds on to the gig, what he could do this season. Yeah, I, I think in two quarterback leagues, the two guys that stand out the most are, are Sam Howell and, and Jordan Love. Uh, I had Howell over Kenny Pickett as a, as a prospect, and, and my model liked him a lot more too. So seeing kind of like, it was only a one-week sample, but seeing him actually offer fantasy upside to close last year was a huge positive. He brought up the, the offense, surrounding offensive talent is is in place for him, and you add Eric Bieniemy. Uh I, I do like Howell a lot uh, for a swing because if you miss, it's it's a miss small pick right like it's, exactly. a, it's a miss small big hit i think jordan love too because he, he he can move a little bit obviously the thing i'm you're worried about with them is just like do the packers are are they just so run centric right because they have a they have a, a pretty good defense uh but their schedule is really easy the packers have our number one easiest passing schedule this year uh you do get a little bit of athleticism so uh i do like those two guys especially in two quarterback leagues you could all and you can all almost get two of those guys together right and just kind of have like a good qb1 and then throw love and howl together and hopefully you get something or play matchups with those guys uh, but i think that those are really two good two quarterback picks there all right what if we go even deeper like i read a column of like super deep sleepers guys that you know it's going to take a couple things to fall their way for them to even be remotely fantasy relevant so this one's probably more of a, a two quarterback or super flex kind of thing are there any really deep sleepers at quarterback that you see making a fantasy impact why don't i go first this time i will say and if it's that you got the same guy that's fine uh clayton toon on the uh the cardinals the rookie there you know you look at the situation with kyler 
I think the most optimistic thing would be him back in late September, probably more likely in October. So you're going to have either Colt McCoy or Toon out there for the, the first few games. And I think, you know, that could be kind of interesting when you're talking about two quarterback and super flex leagues. Anytime you get a guy who's getting starts, they have to be rostered. So Toon should be stashed, I think, everywhere in those leagues. And McCoy might be the safest option, but... You know, in a year where the Cardinals are tied for the lowest projected win total, is the team going to be really that interested in trying to win these games? Or are they going to maybe want to find out if they have something in their fifth round pick here? So Toon was getting some first team reps. He got a lot more than expected because you had both Murray and McCoy out in OTAs. And some of the beat writers have pointed out that they think he's actually in the mix to potentially start in week one. So if you're in a super flex league, I think Clayton Toon could be the guy. You got him or somebody else? I was going to say Howell and Love still fit that, but I don't mind Clayton Toon. I think we'll see both of those guys start. I think you'll see Colt McCoy probably start week one, and the Cardinals kind of quickly realize that, like, you know, what what are we doing this for? <laughs> uh, you know, like, what are we actually getting out of this, right? Like, what's the gain? Uh, obviously, they're going to have Kyler come back at some point, but, like, they're, they, actually, they actually have an actual opportunity to see what Toon has, right? Like, kind of almost for free, right? Like, with no risk. Like, you know, it's not like yeah. a situation where, like, they have to go to Toon in a situation like where, like, the Commanders even went to Howell last year or, like, the Titans even had to go to see what, like, Malik Willis had. Like, they kind of get, like, a hall pass, like, for no expectations. Like, they can just kind of let Toon play almost, like, with an extension of, like, giving him just, like, actual early career reps. So I think that they should take advantage of that. Yeah, I'm like, really interested would, to see. Why would they not? <laughs> yeah, in the second half of the season, what is going to happen with that Cardinals team if they have a losing record and Kyler comes back and... He might not be running as much coming off that injury and they might want to be trying to tank for a a top pick. Like there's going to be a a lot of drama in Arizona, I think this year. All right, we're almost done here, Rich. One more thing to get through. It's the rapid fire section. So we're going short answers only on this one. You've been on for these preview shows before, so you know the deal here. You can give a little bit of context if you want. We just, we don't have to go as far into these as we did with the other ones. So let's start with what round would you take the first quarterback off the board in single quarterback redraft formats? I don't think you ever want to be the first because you're at the mercy <laughs> of not knowing when the second is going to come off the board. And, you know, you don't want to be uh, you know, caught holding the bag of opportunity costs. But I will say not round specific, but if you want to start considering it, I think you think about it in the context of where like running back and wide receiver is like you, you ha- we have to be into the running back dead zone and like basically at like that wide receiver to kind of firewall where like the next 15 guys all kind of look the same. Uh, so let's say just like theoretically, like after Brees Hall and like after like, like the Amari Cooper, like Calvin Ridley area, which I think normally happens sometime in the, the third round. Uh, who wins the Buccaneers quarterback job? It might not matter at all. I mean, it matters for Chris Godwin. It matters for Mike Evans. But who do you think is going to win that job between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be Baker. I think Kyle Trask has basically shown uh, internally that like he needs to be a guy that like needs to get it together and maybe not the hardest worker behind closed doors. Wouldn't surprise me if we see both of them get starts throughout the oh, year, yeah, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who do you think the, is the first quarterback who's going to get benched this year? Yeah, I think not counting, like, Minshew if he starts, because I think that's right, not yeah. really, like, a bridge. The uh, first actual I, starter. I, I'll, I'll drop the hot take and say Brock Purdy. Wow, that's very interesting. What has you down on Purdy? Well, I just think the sample, the sample size is so small, and we've seen – 
uh, quarterbacks in this particular offensive system have really hot moments like Nick Mullins, Brian Hoyer, CJ Beathard, and like immediately kind of kind of recoil. Uh, when you look at Purdy's kind of sample, I mean, he faced joke defenses that stretch. He especially faced defenses that couldn't rush the quarterback. And we finally saw him face a defense that could rush the quarterback in round one of the playoffs because he only faced one defense that could, that had was higher in pressure rate than 15th. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he looked very pedestrian. And it just puts the 49ers back in this cycl- cyclical approach, right? Like, what if he's just an extension of a lateral move of Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like, like what if that's the thing? Like he shreds these 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 teams that like are really soft. But when you need him to play out of structure or punch up, we don't get that right. And we it's a bummer we didn't get to see him play in that Eagles game. But they've got too many options, right? Like what if he sputters the opening month and they they say like, well, his elbow isn't responding, and they, they've got options this year to go to Sam Darnold or or maybe back to Trey Lance. They probably won't go to Trey Lance. I have been taking Purdy in in best ball. I will say, though, I am a little bit worried about a guy that doesn't have elite arm talent coming back from elbow surgery. There's some concern there that how long is it going to take him to get back up to where he was before when where he was before wasn't even, you know, anywhere near the top quarterbacks in the league. But okay, so it begs the question, though, then who's going to be? Is it going to be Sam Darnold? Is it going to be Trey Lance? I think if if it's from if it's like a win loss record that dictates this because you look at the 49ers, you know they open up at Pittsburgh and then you they're at the Rams and you know they them and the Rams like Shanahan's kind of uh, owned that that individual matchup a little bit, but you know at Steelers they've got games against the Cowboys, the Bengals, the Vikings, like all on the front half of their schedule. Like let's say through eight weeks they are four and four or three and five. Like do they make a move right? Like do they feel like they need more upside? Uh, do they need to to do that? So I could. See I would say like if it's to salvage the season, they're going to choose Darnold over Lance. I feel like it's almost 100% now that they would choose Darnold. Nothing, nothing, that they've, changes. nothing that they've signaled to us should lead us to believe they have any confidence in Trey Lance. No, just, you know, just fantasy managers having a little bit of hope that Trey Lance will eventually come through here. Other than that, I think if he does do it, it's going to be on another team. He'll be on the Vikings or he'll be on another team by the time he actually gets a chance to to show what he can do, maybe matures a little bit and finally comes through. All right. One more question here. Factoring in ADP. This is the big one. This is the one everybody waits for. Who is the one quarterback who is going to lead fantasy managers to a title this season? So to factoring in ADP, I'll say that the best guys in one quarterback leagues, Anthony Richardson, and in two quarterback leagues, Sam Howell. I like those choices. I would say for me, even with ADP, it's been Lamar Jackson just because I think the ceiling is so high for him. And then Anthony Richardson as well is the one that I've, I've gotten a lot. But we'll shout out Geno because Geno could have a, a big season this year. And we already covered it. But man, it's, it's going to be really exciting to see that offense with all the weapons they have. But that is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking out Rich's content over at Sharp Football. You better be following him at Lord Reeves on Twitter. One of my favorite people to talk fantasy with. Dude, I can't thank you enough. I mean, every summer you're jumping on with us. I really appreciate it. You know what? Before we let you go too. Is there anything else that you're working on? Anything you want to highlight? Anything you want to direct people towards before we go? Uh, yeah, sure. We have a uh, the big draft kit, obviously, this final month. I know everyone's going to be drafting their teams, but I've, I put together a draft kit with Raymond Summerlin that, you know, is rankings, projections, how we're drafting each position. Uh, see unique, some unique top-down league trend stuff that I think is really interesting and don't see a lot of people covering. Uh, so definitely go check that out. Other than that, I'm just happy football is here. You know, I hope everyone has a great rest of the summer and has great drafts and we have a really fun NFL season this year. As for me, a score fantasy football draft kit, it's rocking. I updated the rankings in there today. 
have a bunch more updates coming this week, including new Dynasty Trade Value Charts. I know everybody loves those, so be on the lookout for that. I'll be back later in the week. We'll be previewing running backs. But until then, big thanks again to Rich. Big thanks to all of you for subscribing to the show and tuning in to every episode. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.